When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My mom's partner, he was a conscript at the border guards. And I asked him, what about her? He said, don't even try. He said, 90% don't even get there. This is Cold War Conversations. If you're new here, you've come to the right place to listen to first-hand Cold War history accounts. Do make sure you follow us in your podcast app or join our emailing list at coldwarconversations.com. We return to Dirk's story from episode 278 with a move to East Berlin following his mother's divorce from his father. Dirk finds school life more relaxed in East Berlin, where pupils are allowed to wear Western clothing and speak more openly, even questioning their teachers about the existence of the Berlin Wall. After leaving school, Dirk starts work in a factory from which he can see into West Berlin and he longs for a life away from the restrictions of East Germany. His mother's new partner is a conscripted border guard who advises him not to attempt an escape over the wall. However, as East Germany starts to implode in November 1989, Dirk sees a chance to escape. We also hear of his and his family's life in the new Germany. The battle to preserve Cold War history is ongoing and your support can provide me with the ammunition to continue to keep this podcast on the air. Via a simple monthly donation, you'll become one of our community and get a sought-after Cold War Conversations drinks coaster as a thank you, and you'll bask in the warm glow of knowing that you're helping to preserve Cold War history. Just go to coldwarconversations.com slash donate. Hello there, my name is Mark Franks and I served in the Royal Air Force from 1982 through to 2007. What I find fascinating about Cold War Conversations are the stories and opinions of those that lived the other side of the Iron Curtain over that period. It's truly fascinating to listen to and keep up the good work and all that you do at Cold War Conversations. If a monthly contribution is not your cup of tea, we also welcome one-off donations via coldwarconversations.com slash donate. I'm delighted to welcome Dirk to our Cold War Conversation. My mom and dad got divorced. Uh, my brother stayed with his dad in Bernau. And me and my mom, we, we moved to Berlin. Um, she got a job there and yeah, we moved to Berlin in a, to Prenzlauer Berg, Berlin Prenzlauer Berg. That was the workers area, yeah. the old Berliner area. Yeah, no longer now. 
yeah. very sought after yes, yes. place place to live now. But yeah, Prenzlauer Berg. And yeah. how different did you find Berlin to Bernau? It was it was like a different like day and night. It was totally different. It was like West, like the West would be, I think. So the people were relaxed. They they just like typical Berliner, big mouth, big heart. Yeah, so totally different. The, you would just, when I came to school, I noticed straight away that they were totally different dressed or like West, Western-like or Western even. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, their parents were artists. They were... Um, um, they were like normal workers, uh, so there were no, maybe, maybe there was a couple of Stasi, but you didn't notice much. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't living in a block next to another block that no, was full we of were Stasi just, employees. Or... No, we were just in these old, typical Berlin houses. Yeah. And I noticed that also in the school lesson. It was much, much more open, like in Staatsbürgerkunde, in citizenship. They would challenge the teacher, giving him challenging questions. Yeah. So, and they would just openly answer to it. I'm presuming you were still being taught things like Marxism and Leninism and stuff like that. I mean, I always imagined that subject being really boring. Was it your least favorite? subject that was. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it was, but I, I would later then use that to challenge when they said, uh, look, we, everything has one price, all the, all the, all the um, food and things like that. And I would say, I asked the question, why do things, certain things disappear from the normal shops? And go into the exquisite shops, delicate shops, which were shops which had goods to a much higher quality, to a much higher price. So they would just put the same products from these cheap shops in these, these expensive shops. They would get a new packaging, but it's the same to a much higher price. I would challenge things like that. And they would just say, well, these are things you not really need. That's what they would answer. Or so, some guy even asked, uh, it was about the, the war. They would say, yeah, it's an anti-fascist uh, war against aggressor and coming from the West. Uh, and he asked them, yeah, why is the barbed wire pointed to in our direction? Wow. And, and the teacher would actually be honest and he said, well, we don't want you to go because you get an excellent education for free. Uh, we want you to work here and not going, getting a free education here and go in the West. Uh, he was actually honest with that, well, although I didn't agree with that. And when was this? Was this to the later 80s? That was um, 1985. Right. Uh, I okay. was in year 10 then, about yeah. to finish the school. It's interesting that, you know, accepting the teacher, accepting those questions and, yes. and, and dealing with it rather than 
Yes. In the other school, if you'd asked that question, you would have been punished in, oh, absolutely. in, in some way. Absolutely. They probably would social, send social services around on all sorts. Yeah. yeah. But in, in Berlin, it was more relaxed there. Yeah. And with your education, were you thinking of going to university or what sort of job were you thinking that you would end up doing? In school, we had... Uh, a subject where we would work in companies. I would send us in all sorts of companies and they sent me to that engineering company. And I had to work on a lathe. And I quite liked that. I, for machining, oh, a cool job. And that's what I actually then learned as an apprenticeship and still work to these days and still love it. Uh, <laughs> that's where it started. Yeah. yeah. So I finished after 10 years school, finished, and then did a two years apprenticeship and then worked in a proper job. Yeah. In, in Berlin? Yeah, engineering, so. yeah. In the last year of school and in the second year of the apprenticeship, we had to attend um, pre-military education camp. So we, it, everyone had to go there in order to pass the um, exams or to, to finish school. And what it was, was um, we had to go for two weeks into a camp. We would have to wear uniforms like NVA-like, and we would just live like NVA soldiers with, with the same daily drills, six o'clock getting up, um, doing exercise and then doing all sorts of exercise, military training, like uh, chem suit putting on. And it would then end, the uh, highlight was then shooting with a rifle, like Kalashnikov-like, looked mm -hmm. like a Kalashnikov, worked like one, but was only shooting these 22 milli rifle, little, little rounds. Yeah. Uh, so I hated that. So that put me actually off. I thought, oh, I don't want to go to the NVA after that. Because the instructor, they were um, training officers who would be training to become of proper NVA officer. Uh, they treated us really, there was really a hard drill, or yeah. harsh drill. Or I didn't like that. Another reason to want to leave. Yes. Although I think West Germany had conscription. Yes. At, at that point as well. But Pre a lot better. They had only, I think they had only a year. They could leave the base. The base was close to their home. So not, yeah. not like the NBA. Yeah. How long would you have been conscripted into the NBA if you'd stayed? 18 months. And how soon was that going to be? It was, they came to school two years before finish. A recruiter would come to school and ask, asking if, uh, if you want to make an extended time at the military, become a, a sergeant, three years. They would really promise you the world if you do that. And they told me, uh, because my year was uh, not many births in that year, I would get to the NVA with conscript 
would be drafted with uh, 26 quite late. Mm. Normally, you we drafted 19, 18, 19 was normal. So I said, if you do three years, we, we draft you with 18 and you finish with 21. But otherwise, you, we draft you with 26 just when you have a family. So, but I said, no, I, I resisted. When I later worked a proper company after the apprenticeship, I moved in to a company. I worked in a company which made um, grinding machines, a lot for export, big, big thing. It was called Niles, worldwide known, the company. And every time state visits would come around to, to East Berlin, they would show them around. And especially that, our company, the company I worked for, because it meant uh, getting hard currency export. So they would show them leaders around. And I, I saw, I saw uh, once they showed Gaddafi around and they showed uh, Kim Il-sung around. Wow. And <laughs> 89, they showed Gorbachev around. That was just before the... 40th so you saw Gorbachev anniversary and he came over and shook my hands and shook, shook you you shook hands yes. with Mikhail Gorbachev yes yes that was great and we were going to miss that out <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wow wow yeah. I've shook, shaken hands with a man who shook hands with Mikhail Gorbachev that that'll um, that'll suit me absolutely yeah it was actually it wasn't like in work it was we were outside work and he was just coming in and greeting everyone and uh, I was close, close to him, close enough yeah. to put my hand out and... Right place, right time. Yes. yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that was already, I think to that time, was already when the relations between the GDR and the Soviet Union started yeah. to crumble because of Gorbachev. Perestroika. Yeah. Did you see any of the East German leaders come round with them or, or not? Uh, I think there was only the Minister for Economy. He, he right. was always with them, but hardly that Honecker would come. Yeah. I saw Honecker and all the Politburo once or twice when I went to the 1st of May de demonstration from work, but not because I, I loved the state, because after that, they, they bribed us, you get free drinks. And, uh, <laughs> we, we just got hammered after. We yeah. just went past the tribune and saw them all and then yeah. straight, straight to the Pope. And what did you do in your spare time in, in Berlin? Uh, we would either walk around Berlin, go to the Brandenburg Gate, or go to the Intershop where you could buy things with West German money, sometimes buy a jeans or when I, I saved always some money up. Or we would go youth, uh, youth club, disco, discotheque, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do much sport? Yeah, I used. We had a, um, we had a sports center in in Berlin. I go there uh, ice skating, speed skating. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. like in a club. Yeah, so I quite enjoyed that. And was it very cheap to uh, to was, do those sort of things? It was free. To be because I was like in a club like Dynamo, 
I was speed skating there, training and all that. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't a Dynamo club. It was a Dynamo youth club, like the youth, yeah, not not the professional. Because I thought I thought Dynamo was the certainly in football it was the Stasi yeah, team. Yeah. It was all over. Yeah. So was it connected to yeah, the, connected the the sort Stasi? Of, yeah. I think only the football club, BFC Dynamo, yeah, yeah. that was Milka's yeah. football club. Exactly. Did your views on East Germany change when you got, got older? Yes, yes, it absolutely changed. Because I got more into watching Western TV and watching the news. And actually then I worked where I worked, um, where I did my apprenticeship, it was a company that was right at the Berlin Wall. So it was only between that building where I worked uh, and, and the war starting was only over the road. So I could see the daily life in West Berlin and I always. Hi, this is Rhonda in Virginia and I support Cold War Conversations because I think the work that Ian is doing is critically important. I think it's vital to record the firsthand accounts of people who lived and experienced the Cold War uh, because it illustrates history in a way that a book never can. So thank you so much for the podcast. It's my favorite podcast, and I look forward to it every week. To be like Rhonda and help to preserve these incredible stories of the Cold War, as a monthly or annual supporter, you'll be able to listen ad-free, you'll become one of our community get the sought-after Cold War Conversations drinks coaster as a thank you, and you'll bask in the warm glow of knowing that you're helping to preserve Cold War history. Just go to coldwarconversations.com slash donate to find out more. What madness is, is just throw off a stone away. I just can't go there. It's so heavily guarded. And I got frustrated and... Uh, Realizing that I only can go when I'm 65 and I'm pensioner, uh, um, got more and more frustrated about that. There's no chance to go, to go to to the West mm. and escaping. I, I figured it out because I worked there near the border. West Berlin never would have a chance to to escape there. Because it was so heavily guarded, so I didn't want to take any any risk or anything. And um, with West Germany to escape, one of my friends he tried it, and he got caught even before he got there. I caught him on a train, dragged him out, and he got two years in prison. And my mom's partner, he was a conscript at the border guards, and. I asked him, what about her? He said, don't even try. He said, 90% don't even get there. And when you're there, you wouldn't find where to go. So I didn't want to take any risks. So I, I thought then I have to just wait, wait for an opportunity. When mm. the door opens a little bit, then I have, mm. have to try. That must have been bizarre being able to look across and see the oh, the daily was, life was absolutely there. See the cars and the people just doing you see what they the do. Cars, you, you see the GIs turning up in the jeep. 
because that was the American sector, right? Yeah. It was just unbelievable. So near yet so far. Yes, yes. I later went and after after a work came down exactly to that point where I looked at and look from that perspective that was quite interesting. I can imagine. You said that your mother's partner was a conscripted border guard. Yes. Did he did he share with you anything about oh, what yeah. that job was like and what he did? Oh yeah, he, he told uh, some stories that uh how they had their shifts and sometimes they would just come back from the shift and some alarm would come up from from the fence and then they would have to get out all again and i think there was once a story that i think they caught two two children and one of them actually got shot and that was like in his time but he wasn't involved in that so he told me some stories, yeah. And was he from outside of Berlin? No, he... He, he was a Berliner. He was a Berliner. But what they used to do, the conscript from Berlin, they wouldn't put him on a, near the Berlin Wall or so, far away. Mm. So he, he was uh, at the border, I don't know where he know, the Brocken Mountain... Yeah, with the uh, listening post on the yes, on the top yes. of it. So he, he was there. Okay. That's where he was based. And he, he said some stuff about the Russians. He said there was an area they wouldn't even go. The, well, there were restricted area where the Russians yeah. were. Did he give any, any indication what he'd do if he was confronted with an escaper? Uh, no, he never really liked to talk about that. No, uh, I, yeah, no, I, I, I can imagine you, you wouldn't have had that. But he said, I could give you tips where to go, but he said, don't, uh, he said, I wouldn't try it because five kilometers before the border yeah. is actually, uh, if they find you there, you get arrested. Because I know in Czechoslovakia, they used to, have almost like a mock border so yeah, people yeah, would yeah. think they'd escaped yes but they were still in czechoslovakia yes. yes so i didn't want to take any risk yeah right? any like that no yeah. but did, did you discuss with your friends in berlin that if an opportunity arose you you might take it yeah i had one friend friend i trusted and said we we often we would go like see uh, where the river spray goes into West Berlin. We we went over the bridge and oh, you, you you can't escape. You there's there's probably something in the water or, and and guards boats and all that. So we always thought, oh, how do we go? How could we do? But try it, but then no chance. So I I told them often that once there's a chance, I will go. In 1989, things are changing yes, in yes. East Germany. Did you participate in any of the demonstrations? Uh, I went once to see a demonstration just for, for from the distance. I didn't want to get involved yeah. in anything. And I saw actually the police lining up. 
and there were like trucks, they had shields, rubber shields in front. And I watched her from a distance and the people were shouting and um, police would say over megaphone would say, uh, leave the area immediately. They were shouting and they said, thanks for the applause. And then they just went for it. They just pushed them away and, and beat them. And there was tear gas and all sorts. I, I watched it from a distance and just went home. Mm. Didn't want to get involved in it. Did you think that East Germany was going to change at that point? Or did you think there was going to be a massive repression of some kind? Uh, up to a point, like a um, couple of days later, when most of the demonstrations were, when it really was at the worst point, they suddenly changed. They suddenly changed and were saying, we're looking for a dialogue. And you could actually discuss to Volkspolizei, to the police, East German police, you could talk with them. But there was a change and a couple of days later, Honecker stepped down and uh, Krenz came on. Yeah, But it was still very uncertain what, what will happen. So there yeah. was every, every day there was something new. Yeah. So, but you know what it was crumbling. Yeah. Did you travel to any of the other Warsaw Pact countries for holidays and things like yes. that? Yes, we we went to the to Czechoslovakia to to Prague. That was uh, the only country I ever visited mm -hmm. in East Germany. And when was that? That was 1988. We went there from work, so had a nice few days in Prague. Uh, yeah, I was amazed Prague was much more West, Western-like. And there were a lot, lot more choice in them shops. So it was quite amazing, yeah. You find an opportunity to yes. escape. Yes. Tell, me, tell me about that. Tell me how you discover that opportunity and, and what happens. I, um, that was on a Saturday, the 4th of November, I think. I came home from night shift and I went to bed and got up about lunchtime and switched the TV on and there came that message. Um, Czechoslovakia is opening the border to West Germany. So I went straight to my mom and said, the Czechs opened the border, let's go. And she said, yeah, okay, no problem. I thought I had that thinking before. I thought, should I go to the embassy in Prague? Because the embassy was full of East Germanists. But that was too much. There were thousands of people. I didn't want to do that. So, But now I've heard that they opened the border. So I said, let's go. That's it. And my mom said, okay, no problem. So we went with her partner. As well. Uh, so with the border guard, yes. you went? Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, we went there. It was about an afternoon, four o'clock. We went, went down Dresden, and then we came Sinwald. That is um, the border crossing from East Germany into the Czech 
to Czechoslovakia. Mm -hmm. And that's where we got like really scared because I had all my certificates hidden. My mom had some in her underwear and all. And my, my heart nearly stopped. Yeah, and we looked and checked our documents and uh, said, okay, have fun. So what did they, did you said you were going on holiday? Or, uh, or no, they, they didn't ask anything. But I knew an address in Czechoslovakia in case they would ask. So I instructed my mom and her partner the name and where they, where I live. Mm -hmm. And just in case they would ask us. Because if we say we just go on holiday, they would say, yeah, show us proof of accommodation yeah. or anything. Yeah. And why are you going there in the <laughs> Yeah. And we, we got there in Sinwald at the border crossing. We got somewhere like in the middle of the night. Got there. And the border guard just looked really strict and looked in our face and big, uh, a big light into our car. And then he just gave us back our IDs and said, okay, good fun, have a good holiday, and that was it. Were there a lot of people trying to cross the border at um, that point? That night we didn't see many cars on the street. Yeah. We just saw it then when we came to the border crossing. Yeah. 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 So we drove there all night and through Prague and then next morning around eight, eight, nine o'clock we were there. We were at that border crossing. Yeah. The border crossing between Czechoslovakia and, and West Germany. Yes, yes. And tell me about that crossing. All right. I said to my mum, You got the chance now. You go should we go drive through all? No, no, I, w I don't want, my mom said, I don't want, I want to go back. Okay, I said, okay, then give her a goodbye kiss and hook, and she was crying. And off I went, I walked, I went, I went and came to that checkpoint. And uh, there were a few trabants queuing up and me walking there. The border, there was a border guard and he took my documents and disappeared in, in a building and came them back about five minutes later and said, okay, go. And as you said, the, the Czechoslovakian border was, there was the fencing right in front into the country and there was a huge amount of land after it. Mm. I noticed that because I went down that road uh, about a kilometer and came round that bend and then I saw uh, that big sign Bundesrepublik Deutschland and the white line. So I went and just came to that line and made like a big step over it without stopping. But uh, now I'm there. I'm there where I always wanted. I was like totally excited and happy. It was was really great the feeling, you know. Now I'm there where I always wanted to be. Yeah. Were, were you the only person on foot crossing I, the border, I or was, were there others? I was the only person on foot, and there were then behind that line at the West German checkpoint were lining up Trabants and yeah. all the East German cars, and I found then a Trabant. There were two lads in. 
And I said, can you just take me wherever you, wherever you go? I said, yeah, okay, I'll jump in. Yeah. So then we went to that uh, West German checkpoint, uh, got some food from the West Red Cross and drink, and they said we should go to a um, West German army base in a place called Bayreuth in Bavaria. Um, that's where we stayed then for a week, that base, yeah. And that was like the reception center for yes, yes. people coming in. But what happened on that base? Did they ask you questions about who you were and why you crossed? And yes. Because I think there was a fear that, yes. you know, that this would be used to infiltrate spies. Yes, there was a, a guy from the Bundesgrenzschutz, which was the West German border force. And he asked me why and where I come from and just a few questions. That, that was it, really. Mm. And I think he asked me if any my relatives are aware of Stasi. He asked me that. And of course, you're going to say yes to that <laughs> if you yeah. get asked that was, question. Yeah. But, but yeah, you, <laughs> you were certain on, on, on that answer. Yeah. I just want to go back to the when you cross the, the Czechoslovak border. When that Czech border guard takes your documents and disappears, yes. what are you thinking at that moment? Oh, you stand there. Um, <laughs> you think, oh, what will happen there? No, what will happen? I'm nearly there. Yeah. But he, he just wanted to check something. So it was yeah. okay. Yeah. And that walk up to the border, did yes. that seem like a long Oh walk. yes, oh yes, and there were no cars. There were no car going through because they. I think they let them wait all and only let them always a few at a time through. So I was nearly walking on that road on my own, and until I came round that bend. Yeah, yeah. And that was daylight. It was daylight. It was then. daylight. Yeah. It was a cold November's day. I remember yeah. it well. Were you tempted to run? No, I just walked. Uh, I had uh, like my back with my clothes or what I had and, and just walked. Yeah. So uh, after that border crossing, I thought actually I'm safe. I'm going to the West. This is it now. Yeah. And it, it must have been really tough saying goodbye to your mother because at that point you wouldn't know when you might ever oh, yes. see it, her again. It, it was It was like... I think it, I was more excited actually to come get out. So that went into the background. So more, I realized that when I was actually in the West, that we might not see each other for a long time. Yeah. But she wanted you to go. She she thought that you were going to have yes. greater opportunities in in the West. Oh yes, yes. And her partner stayed with with her and. Yes. And they went back to uh, Berlin. Yes, she told me later there were uh, actually a queue behind them, and when they turned around, people all pointed. The West is there. The West is there. <laughs> You're going the wrong way. Uh, and they went on home. Yeah. Little did they know that in a matter of days, yeah, they would be able to. Um, Get out. So, so when did you next see your mother again? I saw her then in May, May uh, nineteen ninety. Wow, that long yeah. after. 
Yeah, yeah. Did you not consider it safe for you to see her before then? Or uh, it was more like um, I started working almost straight away in West Germany, like ten days after I came over to West Germany. So I had to work to accumulate some holidays and all these, all these things. So yeah, so I had to wait till May. So you got a job almost straight away then? Yeah, I worked first on building sites and then I found a job in my profession. So. Mm-hmm. And uh, I stayed the first 10 days in West Germany in that uh, Bundeswehr base. And then I moved to a small village and stayed in a guest house for about a year. I was already working and then later got a flat and mm-hmm. lived then 15 years in Bavaria. Were you fearful going to the West that some of the stories you've been told in the East were uh, true? Like, you know, you were going to become a drug addict or, you know, there were all of these scare stories that the, um, the you know, East, the East German TV would would show or your teachers would would tell you about were you ever fearful that that was going to be true uh not not really because i never listened really to eastern media it was propaganda anyway and i was well prepared because my dad's cousin who came always from west berlin i would ask her thousands of questions and and ask her to bring me a, a newspaper with with job adverts and so I knew that the profession I work optimistic about it. Yeah. So never thought, really thought about yeah. it. Yeah. The first time I got a bit scared when I was when I saw the first homeless. I never seen a homeless person begging. That was like a bit of a shock for me. Thought mm-hmm. oh god, you could land there. So that yeah. was the only thing but so I was optimistic that I make it and I really loved it there straight away yeah. I fitted in well and I was like born for the west I, I think in, in East Germany I wouldn't get that far what was it like seeing your mum for the first time in uh, six months in, in May 1990 oh that was just overwhelming great and she she woke me and cried and and then we had a lot to to talk what what happened and yeah. and she told me how she experienced the open opening of the wall that they went the same night and all that we we were in contact when I was in West Germany I I I rang her up like three days after I escaped I rang her up in work actually so so we had writing letters and all that but meeting each other in person that great being back at home and and she was really glad that i made it that i had a job and that all, all went well well she was happy and was your brother still in east germany at that point yes he was yeah. still in east germany and how did your family fare in the vendor how, how did they, did some of them lose jobs or did they adjust quite quickly to the new way of things? Um, yeah, 
they still um, stayed in work. Although my mom, she got, uh, she lost her job, but she found another job quite quite easily. Uh, it was only came when it came to the end of the nineties that both uh, became unemployed. But then they were close to retirement, so mm -hmm. it was okay for them. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they had never big fears or big worries about it. So they they enjoyed the Western life, the new life, so, and they said always don't want to go back there. No. No, how how did your your mum's partner get on? I wouldn't have thought there's that much demand for unemployed border guards. Uh, he he was a he was a he didn't want to go on a border yeah. because they drafted him. He still had his Western views, so um, he became self-employed and got on with that as well. Yeah. Okay. What what did he? What was his business? Did he start his own business? Uh Yeah, he did uh, career driving. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Bought a car and... Yeah. A bit like Deliveroo. Yes. Ahead of his time. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. What would you say were your fondest memories of your time in East Germany? Uh, was just like... The friends were real, real friends. They weren't shallow. Uh, just the relationships between people and... All that helping each other is these days, unfortunately, is a bit missed. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, and, and also, like from my childhood, so remember, so uh, memories, like when, when we are, went out, my friend and me, we used to play a lot in the forest and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, things like that mm. really remembered. Um, Yeah, nice memories. Yeah. Did you stay in contact with your school friends? Yeah, with uh, my friend with um, um, whose dad was in the NVA, I'm still in contact these days. So. And we sometimes we have every 10 years we have a school reunion where I go to Germany to see the old friends. Yeah. Yeah. And even the the children of Stasi people they. They tell me secrets how it was with their mom and dads and where they worked because they couldn't say that really where yeah. they worked. So, yeah. so you hear some stories back there. And my my Soviet friend, as soon as I we left, but now never really the the contact went and he must have gone home. So I don't know. Difficult to stay in contact when they get yeah. posted somewhere else. Yes, yes. Those kids whose parents were in the, the Stasi, how, how did their parents get on after the, the wall opened? Did you hear any stories there as to what, what they did? Um, I know that some of the parents like from the Stasi, they got... Uh, Many of them went into private security companies. Well, but I didn't hear much about it really about their parents. Yeah. Everything that they stood for mm. had disappeared almost overnight. Yeah, and yeah. to have to adjust to that must have been tough. But you know, you you hear of people adapting very quickly yeah. to uh, the the new reality there. Mm. I mean, my my friend's dad who was he was 
I think it was a kernel by the end of the GDR. Uh, he was about to retire and that was, he was lucky because otherwise they would either set him down a lot of ranks down or would just uh, dismiss him. Yeah. Uh, so he, he was lucky to just retire, got a good retirement. You mentioned earlier that your mother had seen her Stasi file. Did she discover anything in that that was surprising for her? Uh, she was surprised how much they knew about us. They, they knew about how our flat looked like and, um, they knew our friend, friend contacts and all that. Yeah. So she was, we, we were shocked how much they really knew about us. Did she discover that there were people that she considered friends who'd been giving the Stasi information? Uh, my brother later, he found out the clear names of the two IMs. On one turned to be out one of our neighbors, and one was uh, actually my brother's form teacher, as I am. And she found probably out what it looks like in our house because there was twice a year parents' evening where the teacher would come to the house. Oh, that's how they found out. They found out how we are in school and they found out that we quite reluctant about political activities. Yeah. So it yeah. was all mentioned in that Stasi fire. Yeah, because you hear sometimes of people discovering that a relative had been yeah. informing of them on them or, or, or something like that. But yes. it was neighbors and, and teachers oh, who yes. were yes. who were so, watching you. Yeah. Sometimes even relatives yeah. even their own husband or wife. Yeah, yeah. What about your your father? Did did he ever have a look at his Stasi file? He didn't have any. He he, he tried to find out but there was nothing. Well, no Stasi file about him. Yeah. Not nothing about him offering cups of coffee or <laughs> no, <laughs> to the, no. That, to the they probably didn't write it down on a file because it was yeah. their own embarrassment. Yeah, extra paperwork. Wouldn't yeah, wanna, wouldn't want to uh, yeah. ca- cover cover that. Did you did you ever look to see whether there was anything specific to you as a Stasi file? No, I think I was too young. Couldn't be any. I always tried not to be too obvious. I always. Kept my head down, though, that I shouldn't be one. Don't miss the episode extras such as videos, photos, and other content. Just look for the link in the podcast information. The podcast wouldn't exist without the generous support of our financial supporters, and I'd like to thank one and all of them for keeping the podcast on the road. If you'd like to help the project, just go to coldwarconversations.com slash donate. The Cold War Conversation continues in our Facebook discussion group. Just search for Cold War Conversations in Facebook. Thanks very much for listening and see you next week.
not enjoying the ads? Well, you can avoid them by going to coldwarconversations.com slash donate. By becoming a monthly or annual supporter, you'll enjoy ad-free listening, become a part of our community, receive the sought-after Cold War Conversations drinks coaster, and bask in the warm glow of knowing that you're helping to preserve Cold War history. Just go to coldwarconversations.com slash donate for more information.